Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. So we kind of got to have a season preview slash camp preview because, you know, I've, uh, I'm, I'm down to, this is one of my last five shows, so don't have a lot of time to get this done in. But I want this to be more discussion than anything. And the topic that I had today for us, gentlemen, I want to look at kind of X factors, like guys that you think swing certain positions, can okay. raise the ceiling of this team. And, like, yeah, we can all agree that if Quinn Ewers plays up to his paper, that this team's ceiling for wins and what they can do significantly goes higher. But I'll give you kind of two two names, one that I've talked about a lot, one I haven't mentioned in a while, that I think really if these guys are, are up to top form – if they start to make an upward trend, I think it really changes the complexion of things on both sides of the ball. Defensively, the guy I've talked a lot about is Terrence Brooks yes. at that field corner. I just think if you get that field corner locked down, because you already know what you've got at your boundary corner in Ryan Watts, you feel pretty good about your safety group with Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford. And if Jalen Catalan's healthy, I think you feel – excellent about your safety group and that's not to mention what you could get from a Larry Turner Gooden or a BJ Allen or Derek Williams who got on campus this summer that's safe the arrow is pointing up for the safety group on the 40 acres Janae Barrett at that nickel position but your defense you can have a one of the better back ends in the big 12 there I say in the conversation for the best if Terrence Brooks can lock down that field corner position Craig I would rather if I'm if I'm PK and Terry Joseph, I would rather not have a revolving door at that position. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I keep pointing to Terrence Brooks, not only was it because he got starts last year, but when Deshaun Jameson was injured those few times and he had to go in there, like I know Austin Jordan played a lot against Alabama. Right. But in conference play, specifically the TCU game, when you had to put Terrence Brooks in there and suddenly he had to play high leverage snaps, he was really, really good. Like outstanding and and the true mark of a corner when you notice him, it's usually not for anything bad. So, Terrence Brooks is one of my X factors, and then on offense, I think the guy that can we talk about the need and I go to uh, Horns twenty four seven, kind of one of the ongoing topics throughout the off season. Uh, my colleague Chip Brown has a piece up on this. It's kind of more of a column with just some thoughts. How and when will Texas run the football in twenty twenty three? I think we all agree. A lot of that's dependent on the offensive line and the mm-hmm. growth of that group. And when I look at the pieces that Kyle Flood has to work with, you know, you got really lucky last year. You were really fortunate to get through all 13 games with the same starting five for all 13 games. And really, other than you know, you had a couple of opportunities like the Kansas game where you were able to get mm-hmm. some guys in and then the Baylor game where Cole Hudson gets hurt and then DJ Campbell has to finish it off, you really didn't have to rotate guys all that much. But I do think if you're going to have more of a, I don't even want to say a rotation, if you're going to have more of a, a mix of that group, more guys that you consider starting caliber players that you wouldn't hesitate to put in, there's a tackle has to be a part of that group because DJ Campbell's not really a tackle. Nato Meazulu, I think, could be a tackle maybe in a pinch. But if Cameron Williams is right, if Cameron Williams is ready to roll, mm-hmm. now you've got a guy that you know without question is a backup tackle, and I think you feel much better about how all the other pieces fit. Because if one, if you lose one of your tackles right now, 
knock on wood and heaven forbid, like if something were to happen to Kelvin Banks or Christian Jones where you lost them for any significant stretch of time, what are you going to do for a backup tackle right now? Probably, I don't know, it might be to kick Hayden Connor out to tackle and then put mm-hmm. one of those other two youngsters at guard. But if you had Cameron Williams as one of those really six, seven, eight guys that you trust to play star, like starter snaps, you could just plug him into one of those spots and keep rolling. So I think for defense, for the reasons why I mentioned, I think it ties everything together if you get Terrence Brooks at that field corner to lock it down. And then Cameron Williams as your, as your number one, your true backup tackle at both spots. I think those guys completely change the complexion on their respective sides of the ball. Mm, okay. What you what you what you think, Cam? You got anybody else that you would throw into that discussion? No, because I think it all depends on the health. I'm just depending on the health of this Texas secondary, and it goes back to a guy who was I think he was an X factor listed in the Horns two four seven piece last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the stampede about Jalen Catalan? If he yeah, stays the, the healthy, insider, yeah, insider. Yep. If he stays healthy, what that can do for the Texas defense? So that's where I'm at. With Texas football right now. Craig, I want to point to another guy that I think could, sure. at least just in terms of solidifying a position. David Bend is one of the kind of guys you root for, right? I know you have to kind of stay impartial, but over the years, whenever we talk Texas football, I know you like the story of kind of the veteran guy that's hung around and paid his dues, and then by the end, he earns himself a prominent role and ends up mm-hmm. producing, right? We think Chris Whaley. John Harris, yep. Fozzie when he finally got healthy. Yep. You think about all these different guys. David Chris Obaniah. Yeah, David Bend has kind of got to be one of those guys you root for, right? Yep, absolutely. And and more importantly, far more importantly than me or, or any fans doing it, is that his teammates seem to sure. really be heavily rooting for him, and obviously his coaches. Yeah. Um, the other position I wanted I wanted to have was it, was it Jalen Ford that said Jalen Ford yeah. that said that Benda has come so far mm-hmm. and has worked so hard and it's true and you could see I it. think when I asked about Benda I think his exact words are I wish everybody could see how hard he's worked to get to where he is listen I I understand and uh, and in large measure with a lot of elements of it agree with a lot of what folks have said about Tom Herman's time at Texas but Tom Herman did say early on about David Benda he said that this guy could be an impact player someday. Mm-hmm. He saw him being a, a true impact player, could be that. Well, now's the time if it's going to happen. I think probably if you, if you look at what's left of that 2019 class at this point, I think he might have been as impacted by coaching changes as anybody left on the roster, right? Because you think his first year, he's playing for Todd Orlando as his coordinator and position coach. That changes before the bowl game, mm-hmm. 2020. He's got Chris Ash as his coordinator. Coleman Hutzler as his position coach. That changes after the season. And then 2021, he's got Jeff Choate and Pete Kwiatkowski. It changes again. And so last year was the first time in his career that he had the same position coach and the same coordinator two years in a row. Now he's going into year three, understanding the nuances of this defense, understanding kind of what Jeff Choate wants and expects. And uh, putts number 13 on the Specs text line points out another guy that we talk about, man, Alfred Collins. Says if he can put it all together, he and Sweat, I mean Tavondre Sweat, could be pretty formidable tandem on the D line. If you go back and read the insider that we had last week at Horns twenty four seven, not that Alfred Collins hasn't been getting it done this offseason, but it sounds like Vernon Broughton, like the the fire might have been lit under Vernon Broughton. Yep, and to where now he there people are seeing it in the workouts consistently, day in and day out, getting the same level of production. I know it's summer workouts; it's not what's happening on the field in pads. But at least you're getting a consistent level of something from Vernon Broughton, which just hasn't been there in his career. So I think whether it's one of the, either one of those guys, throw Trill Carter in there, that young group of guys, you know, Aaron Bryant, Zach Swanson, those guys. I think if you can get like three of those guys 
to be quality backup players, you've got one of the deepest defensive tackle rotations in the country at that point if you can count on four or five guys that you would trust to put in the game in a high-leverage situation. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Collins or Broughton, I would agree. Though One of those guys can – because yes, Texas had talent on the interior D-line, but the advantage that Bo Davis had, you could rotate. You not, Those guys – they didn't have an opportunity to get tired. As good as you were against the run, and when you were able to get people off the field on third down, even if you didn't, well, you could rotate some fresh bodies in there. So those guys never really had the opportunity to get tired. Everybody was fresh. And you're talking to, to guys like like Coburn and, and Moro Ojimo last year. They said, hey, whatever snaps you get, you have to give max effort because maybe those one or two plays where you're not producing, you, you might not get any more snaps. After that, so it creates a sense of urgency, but you have to have the depth there. That's the key to be able to having a productive interior defensive line, especially with as much space and pace offense as you see now. The days of, you know, and he's nobody that, like, no prominent Longhorn, nobody that's got their number on the wall. My favorite Longhorn of all time is Casey Hampton. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days, Craig, where Casey was going to play seventy snaps. Yeah, yeah, ninety-five <laughs> percent yeah. of the snaps yeah. on defense, just because he's he was a rare breed, right? Even if you've got those guys that are rare breeds, you still have probably three to four guys that you really trust to be starters, and you mm-hmm. want them. You'd rather have a guy. I think you're more effective at thirty-five to forty snaps than you are at sixty-five to seventy snaps, or right. whatever the case is. So, yeah, I think Broughton or Collins or Trill Carter, one of those. Some of those interior D linemen need to step up. Like I've, I've said this all offseason about D tackles. I'm not worried about Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat being as good as Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo were last year. I'm worried about can Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Trill Carter, can that group, can two of those guys be as good as Sweat and Murphy were last year in the reserve roles? That to me is the key with that group. Yeah. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter who it is. As long as as long as it's the, somebody, yeah, in, in, steps Bo, forward. And Bo Davis has some bodies to choose from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, our uh, just figure that'd be some some good discussion. Absolutely. Hey, the other position I wanted to get some conversation on though, where are you guys at on tight end? Because I think we can all agree that like the drop off from Jatavian Sanders to whoever's next is. It's Grand Canyon size, right? It's chasmic. And you'll probably see Texas as a result. I don't think I'm sharing any trade secrets here. Uh, play more 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end this year rather than what they were last year. You know, 12 personnel last year suited them well, run, one running back, two tight ends, even though Gunnar Helm wasn't overwhelming in a pass game. You trusted he and JT Sanders as blockers, and it was really start doubling down on the advantage of the ad. And your advantage was, I've got, with the two guys I've got in the backfield, I've got probably the deepest running back room in the country. And you look at the games they closed out, you know, the Iowa State game, the Baylor game, even the K-State game, I'm going to double down on the advantage I've got at running back. I'm going to play with bigger personnel and Mm -hmm. try to maximize my edge running the football. Mm -hmm. Even though you can look at times where Texas abandoned the run, whatever, that's a discussion for another day. But I think now the advantage is, okay, I've got this deep group of receivers, especially a guy we haven't mentioned yet. Cam, I I think you mentioned him last week, Isaiah Nayer. If he's healthy, Mm -hmm. if he's able to go – now you've got this advantage with your depth at wide receiver that I need to take advantage of this if you're Sark. So you're probably going to play more 11 personnel. Uh, that This is why, though, I think all that said, that's what, that's what makes Jatavian Sanders, to me, other than Quinn Ewers, the most indispensable piece on this football team. He's the one guy outside of quarterback you can't have anything happen to him because yep. if something does – 
you cannot replace what he brings to the table. And that's no disrespect to Gunnar Helm or Juan Davis or anybody else. I was say you're not in on Patrick Bayouth. Yeah, you, you're just not going to be able <laughs> to replicate that skill set. Yeah, yeah. So I think as long as you're a base 11 personnel team, I don't worry about it too much. Uh, you know, you they will be in 12 personnel sometimes, you know, short yardage, goal line, red zone, those areas. And, but I say that, but then, I mean, We've seen some of these wide receivers be really capable blockers, especially, you know, Jordan mm-hmm. Whittington's done it. You know, A.D. Mitchell sure. played in an offense at Georgia where that was a prerequisite. So maybe you just don't play as much 12 personnel this year. Maybe it's a developmental year. And this is another reason why I like the Joe D. Camillus hire. We talked about this on Longhorn Blitz a few weeks ago. If I'm Sark, maybe I bring in Joe D. Camillus to help with special teams because I tell Jeff Banks, I know you're one of the best special team coordinators in the country. But I really need you to focus on getting the rest of that tight end room up to speed and finding me a reliable number two. And even I know Will Randall's recovering from the ACL, but right. you've got Spencer Shannon on campus right now. I need you to work with that group. Get a guy like Juan Davis. Mm-hmm. Get him to take make incremental improvements in his game. So that way you've at least got some – you can at least get a plan together if something were to happen to JT Sanders. Even through the course of a game, if he, you know, the bar the old Tom Herman term, if he breaks his shoelace – and has to miss a couple of plays. What are you going to do? Well, you got to get somebody ready to go in. Even though we know the drop off is there, you got to make do with what you got. Um, uh, isn't it your Blitz, Longhorn Blitz podcast partner, Rod Baver's uh, eternal beating of the d- drum? To go with twenty-one personnel, a lot more twenty-one. Doesn't he want to go with the two? Well, back that was, that was last year when you yeah. had the two backs. I don't know that you need to do it as much this year. You can the, the beauty with this offense, and we'll actually get into this because we're doing part two of our Longhorn Blitz mailbag this week. Part one was okay. last week. We got over thirty, almost forty questions submitted for that mailbag. Just Craig, for was, that alone, yeah, yeah, I was really surprised uh, at the amount of feedback we got. But one of the questions was, how do you use Jordan Whittington? How do you best use him? Well. Yes, he's a slot receiver, but you talk about a guy that handled the ball the way he did in high school. The fact that he his first semester at Texas, he worked with the running back group. And I'll even say this on Jay Wood. I'm glad that he admitted to us something that I've wanted to ask him for a while. When he made that move to running back, it did seem like he put on too much muscle too fast and his body was wound a little too tight. And maybe that's why he had some of the injury issues. Mm-hmm. That he dealt with, but he's he's a little leaner now, a little more flexible. He was talking about that when he was yeah. with us in Arlington, yeah. wasn't he? But he still has that same skill set to be a guy that can get it on a jet sweep or a bubble screen. And mm-hmm. I think to me, the extension of the run game is something you can see because one of the things, because Bijan and Roshan were so impactful, I think one of the things that went underreported that I don't think we talked about enough were there was the steps that Keelan Robinson made as a receiver last year. I mean, now you can sneak him out on a wheel route. You can get him down the seam. You can throw him a screen, and he can make things happen. So between Jordan Whittington, Keelan Robinson, Savion Red making that transition from receiver to running back, another guy that played some some quarterback in high school, uh, you've got multiple options to where it might not be true 21 or 20 personnel, but the extension of the run game, your swing passes, your bubble screens, getting it to guys in space, that's that's the kind of stuff you're looking for it's kind of like in 2019 with Devin Duvernay yeah. as much as many screens as he caught I think like 65 percent of the passes he caught that year were at or behind the line of scrimmage they're just long handoffs yep you know it's the things that used to drive Longhorn fans crazy when when uh, Greg Davis would call for the bubble screen yeah but if you remember 
the air raid offense, one of the knocks on the original air raid, the Mike Leach air raid, was, oh, man, you don't run the football. Well, you know, if I throw a swing pass to Torian Henderson and he gains six yards, yeah, what's the difference between him catching a swing pass for six yards or running an off-tackle play for six yards? It's still six yards. It doesn't matter how you get it. You're still getting six yards. It's this thing that Mac and Greg Davis used to say. Was it's, it, it were, it's like the same thing as a running play for us when they would do that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I think it's still, correct me if I'm wrong, is it four of the top five offensive seasons in Longhorn football history? Or with Greg Davis as that might have changed. That. I'll go, I'll I'll pull yeah. up the record book in uh, during the break. Yeah, but you know you know when the screen game changed at Texas though, when you got guys like Quan Cosby and sure. Jordan Shipley that were really good in, well, in screen. I don't know that I've ever seen a Texas, and I'm not just saying this because he's a friend of the station, a friend of the show, mm-hmm. and a friend of ours. I don't know that I've seen a Texas receiver that was as good in the screen game as Quan Cosby. Mm-hmm. That just, it, but Quan's another guy. Yep. Played quarterback in high school. Yep. Knew how to handle the football. Just yep. had a knack for how to work through traffic. Quan Cosby and L.J. Humphrey, to me, are the two guys that, I, uh, for very different reasons, I don't think I've ever seen two Texas receivers. Throw Kwame Cavill in there, too. Uh, Kwame's another guy that handled the ball a lot in high school. Guys that understood how to play two and through traffic. Those three guys, I think, are above everybody else in terms of their ability to operate in the screen game no on doubt. the perimeter. Uh, on the Specs text line, somebody said, Craig, I'll take the over. Over. On 10 offensive plays for Patrick Bay with this season. Over? Over. How about that? Over. He's got a lot of bodies. He's got a pass. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see about that. JT, Juan Davis, (laughs) Gunnar Helm. CB, our man says Casey Hampton reminds us, 2000 Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Casey Hampton had a 100-tackle season as a nose tackle. Think about that. And 20 tackles for loss that year. Go back and look at Casey Hampton's 2000 season. It boggles the mind, the numbers he put up. Yeah. Uh, a couple of high school-related questions. Somebody said in the community impact news, uh, Liberty Hill is going to get a second high school. Yep, I, I was talking about in the most immediately, uh, immediate uh, realignment, the next one coming around the corner. It'll be interesting to see if that one's included. Because quite often, until the school is completely has four full classes, they won't go into full UIL competition. But it would affect the number. Uh, obviously. And then for the person who said, can school districts still make the decision not to put their two high schools in the same district like San Angelo did to avoid crosstown rivalries? Uh, that's, uh, th- th- to borrow Jeff's phrase, that's apples and pomegranates because San Angelo Central was a 6A school and Lakeview is a 4A. They're not in the same classification. So it wouldn't matter. They would not be in the same district uh, in terms of competition. UIL competition would, you know, assign those to their uh, their competitive districts. Um, but, you know, San Angelo Central is a 6A school and Lakeview is a 4A, so that's why uh, they would not be in the same. All right. Hey, real quick, Craig, one other football note. Are you going to refer to the Alabama game on September 9th by its official name, which What's is it the, now, the All-State Crossbar Lear- Classic? Uh, I will. That's a Learfield deal. I will read the appropriate uh, sponsor-related co- uh, uh, copy for it. I mean, that's just to clarify. Be... That's going to be an annual thing, not just involving Texas, Alabama, but that that kind of big game. There will be two. a game designated, yeah. yeah, as that. Just like it, you, it was played in a, in a neutral on a neutral field at one time. The uh, the Texas NC State game in '99 was that not like the Eddie Robinson Classic? It was the Black the... Coaches Association. Yeah, it yeah. was called back then. Yeah, uh, the Black Coaches Association. That was a, that uh, used to be a neutral classic. field, but then at some point they just started picking games. random games. Yep, yeah. 
Yep, that's true. They did. 